Angie's List is now Angie, and we've heard a lot of theories about why. I thought it was an eco-move. Your words? Less paper. No, it was so you could say it faster. No, it's to be more iconic. Must be a tech thing. But those aren't quite right. It's because now you can compare upfront prices, book a service instantly, and even get your project handled from start to finish. Sounds easy. It is, and it makes us so much more than just a list. Get started at Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I. Or download the app today. Be a part of the best pro wrestling podcast today by supporting the Going In Raw Patreon. You can enjoy access to the live taping of the show, exclusive merchandise, and patron-only episodes, and so much more. Support Going In Raw today. Click the link in the description. Hey, Rendo, Steve here. And Larson, welcome back to Going In Raw. Matt Chat, the show that's fueled by $20 and up patrons. That's right, at patreon.com forward slash Stephen Larson. You too can have your video question or, in some cases, just us reading your question right here on Matt Chat. Debate topics that we will then debate. Yeah, yeah, that's usually what you do with debate topics is debate them. Usually you debate them. You discuss them, share your point of view, make your argument. So that's what we do right here. Something like that. That's right. But uh, the $20 Patreon tier is not the only Patreon tier. Also, for $5 a month, you can watch all of our live streams, live stream podcasts, and all sorts of great stuff. Uh-huh. You know what's great is that we're going to so be going to the office for like in a couple weeks from now. We're going to have, we're going to be in the office broadcasting this, right? Yeah. Well, what I'm proposing is on Thursdays when we record Matt Chat, before we do Matt Chat. Hold we, on, today's Wednesday. On Wednesdays, before we record Matt Chat, we go get loaded. Oh, at the brew pub down the street? All right. Sounds good to me. Sounds good. Anyways, we got a bunch of great questions today from our patrons. So we're going to get right into it. From Steel Forge, Luke Mahoney. Tell me that's not an ECW name. That's a great name. Steel Forge, Luke Mahoney. Oh, my God. Let's see what he has. Hi, Stephen Larson. Luke Mahoney here. First time question asker for Matt Chat. Uh, so this week on Going In Raw for Monday, you mentioned that if Lesnar were gone, there'd be a big void at the top of the card. And I've got a really simple question for debate. I don't really like Lesnar that much, uh, just my opinion. So I just wanted to debate from you guys. Steve, I'd like to hear just what is really great about Brock Lesnar, all the really awesome stuff about him. And Larson, I want you to tell me, Everything that sucks about Lesnar, because there's nothing that makes me happier than Salty Larson. Too sweet, firm handshake. Thanks, friendos. Thank you, Steel Forge, Luke Mahoney. <laughs> Thank you, Steel Forge. Uh, yeah, of course, Lesnar. Lesnar's great. Lesnar's awesome. Come on, man. Nobody's bigger than Brock Lesnar right now. He's a ratings magnet. He's a live attendance magnet. He's the guy that's going to make the next guy. So, of course, Brock Lesnar is what's best for business. I do wish the universal title, I, I hope that finally leaves his belly um, so that he can go on and maybe do some more, I'm not going to say interesting things because Brock Lesnar doesn't really do interesting things. However, uh, seeing him match up against some other names might be interesting. I personally would love to see Brock Lesnar again do a few with Shinsuke Nakamura. They had a match in New Japan back in like 2006, 2008, something like that. 2006. Yeah. Um, and so I'd love to see what Shinsuke Nakamura could do with Brock Lesnar. I do think he's the next guy who probably could benefit the most from beating Brock Lesnar. I think it would be a lot of fun. Um, but, yeah, Brock Lesnar, he's great. I hope he resizes his WWE to his part-time deal. Just keep him out of the title scene because I don't think it's necessary. I think that title, the universal title, could be better served uh, on other wrestlers. 
But uh, yeah, man, look, anything that's anything that brings up ratings that could potentially raise the TV fee rate that the WWE can then charge their next suitor, be it USA or somebody else, is a good thing. And he brings in ratings. How can you? Why would you ever argue against somebody who's best for business? Go ahead. Brock Lesnar is bored. He doesn't care what he does in that ring, for the most part. He likes collecting his 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 fat paycheck, yeah, going home and looking at his land. You blame the guy? No, but that doesn't necessarily make for captivating wrestling television, which is what I really care about. Um, and and kind of the bummer of it of it all is that there was a point in time when Brock Lesnar, during his first WWE run, was actually a really good wrestler. Now all he does is suplex people. That's it. It gets old real fast. It was fun when he destroyed John Cena with 16 suplexes at SummerSlam, whatever it was, a few years back, because it was shocking. We've never seen John Cena manhandle like that before. Now when he does it, it's predictable. Uh, it's boring. I don't care about it. There's nothing I find terribly entertaining about Brock Lesnar at all these days, one except of, how, how early in the match he turns purple. One of the matches, well, that is a very good selling point. One of the matches of the year from 2017 was the four-way at SummerSlam. Because of Braun. Well, yeah, but how he reacts to Braun. You see Braun, me, uh, Brock, and Ed, and then Brock yeah, almost that's not. unprofessional, Brock. I don't want that in my, in my ring. I understand, I understand receipts are given the wrestling ring when someone is a little stiff. Same time, though, you don't... Cold cock someone in the jaw where they're not looking at, they're not expecting it. I don't That's know. Unprofessional. I don't know why. This was, isn't the octagon. I don't know why I was thinking about this the other day. When's the last time you saw Brock Lesnar run ropes? Never. He doesn't run the ropes. He never runs. He never he doesn't, doesn't run. run. He, he'll run to the corner to knee somebody or something. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. But he, That's how uh, Goldberg beat him, like, him. Run the ropes. Oh, that's the opposite. Sorry, that's how Brock beat Goldberg. Yeah. Um, anyways, Lesnar, I find him boring. And Goldberg versus Brock was great last year. That was, was so much shocking. fun. It was so much Can fun. Can I finish my point, please? I thought you were done. No, I'm not done. Lesnar is boring. I can tell he's bored. Um, even Heyman these days, 75% of the time, kind of phones in his promos because he kind of has to do the same thing time in and time out. Yeah. Um, if you look at uh, the match at SummerSlam, yeah, it was great because you, Brock was there, but you also had Braun and Samoa Joe. They're great. Let me finish. Brock is always the mountain you got to climb. So, but that's booking. That's not him as as a competitor. He's a boring wrestler to watch. Yeah. Let me finish. Okay. So he had the SummerSlam match. Great. His match against AJ was great. That's because AJ brings everybody to great matches. But look at his match against Braun at No Mercy. Underworld because they didn't do anything. Yeah. They didn't do anything. They didn't do anything. His match against Samoa Joe was fun because Samoa Joe was wrecking him. And then F5 out of nowhere and, and match over. Underwhelming. <laughs> um, so many... Go back to Brock's match against Dean Ambrose WrestleMania a couple years back. For whatever reason, Brock either didn't respect Dean, didn't appreciate his talents. He probably took one look and was like, dude, you're like, you weigh a buck fifty. What am I going to do with you? That's not Dean Ambrose's fault. That book, that's creative's fault. It wasn't like Dean Ambrose went and, maybe he did, I don't know, went and lobbied for a match against Brock Lesnar, and that was the match creative gave him. Nonetheless, he should give it his all. That was the most obvious phone-in I've ever seen. Yeah. No, for me, it was the Randy Orton one. That was a huge phone. Oh, that too. That was awful. That was a terrible phone. And he concussed Randy Orton. Shoot. He Look, busted man. him open, um, created some controversy backstage. Chris Jericho, oh, I love Jericho went to Gorilla to confront Brock about the whole situation because Jericho is a professional. Yeah, he's great. He is great looking out for his fellow wrestlers. Lesnar, he's boring. I'm tired of him. I want him out of WWE wow. right away. Go back to UFC where you can fight and punch people in the face for real if that's what you really want to do. Don't cold cock Braun Strowman because he needs you a little too hard. You're going to be right. All right. Go fight. 
Even if you stick around, I want you nowhere near a title. Yeah, but he lays down the template for uh, what they should do with Ronda Rousey. Just have her like sort of mill about, laugh a little bit, get purple in the face, and then just armbar the crap out of people. That'd be great if they just started doing that with her. I'd love it. Okay. Have Paul Heyman manager. Look, man, Lesnar's best for business. You can't deny that. He pops ratings. Uh, maybe. He I don't pops know. ratings. Whatever. He does. Best for business. But still, he pops ratings, but his segments are boring. If people watch... Yeah, I don't disagree with that. But there's always, the thing about Brock is that there's always that element of unpredictability. Kind of like with that, that Braun stuff. The last time he was really interesting by himself was after he lost the title to Seth after WrestleMania 31. This is three years ago, four years ago almost. Uh... And he just destroyed everybody. Yeah. That was interesting, just him by himself doing something. Since then, he just... That's all he does. He's in the ring. He bounces a little bit. Yeah. Smiles occasionally something Heyman says. Yeah. And, uh, and he gets lost. Per- true. He, he told uh, Heath Slater he didn't give a damn about his kids. He didn't give an F about his kids. Yeah. yeah. So that was that was kind of funny. No, I know. That was good. Here's the thing about... That's like his, his standout character moment in the last five years. <laughs> and that was just him shooting. Uh, here's the thing about Brock. You're absolutely right. He's... He gets bored easily. And he is boring. I don't think he's boring, though. I think when he's got something fun to work with, then he's fun. You know, but that's pretty much everybody. Here's the other thing about him now. Hmm. So predictable. Not only how he wrestles, but now that they've, over the past year, they've established how he wins matches. It's the same thing. You know he's going to win. No one's going to be him until Reigns of WrestleMania. Well, There's, no There's no intrigue. There's no drama. After the Universal title thing is done with, he will move on and do some other I stuff that's more fun. Uh, 80 pounds go to 205 Live. Well, that we can agree on. I'd love to see that. Uh, speaking of that, Adam Mayhem has a question. Speaking of 205 Live, Adam Mayhem has a question. All right. Hey, because he fought and beat uh, 205 Mecha Live Wolf. competitor Mecha Wolf 450. Alternate. He was a Mecha Wolf 450. alternate in the Cruiserweight Classic. That's right, yeah. Um, anyways, we have a question from Adam Mayhem. We'll yes. see what he has to say. Buenas tardes, Rendo Universe. Bienvenidos. To another edition of Chit Chat with the Champ. Now, Stephen Larson, I have a question to throw you guys' way. With the fact that WWE is going into dual-branded pay-per-views, and obviously there's like like 19,000 different champions, this is what I want you guys to debate. What would be better for the product and the company? For wrestlers who are pay-per-views to be only basically just title matches and then that's it. Or for WWE to go more on the New Japan route of having, you know, champions working six-man tags and tag team and four corners and all this. And then some titles be defended at some pay-per-views. Which one is better? I'll let you guys debate that. Too sweet, guys. Thank you, Adam Mayhem. Oh, I go first. Uh, yeah, I think they should do something like this uh, from time to time. So uh, one of my complaints about SmackDown specifically, as the, the pay-per-view calendar exists now, there's a pay-per-view for each brand every other month, is that uh, SmackDown far too often has to spin their wheels Yeah. Um, on their, their weekly show to get to blow-offs, pay-offs, yada, yada, on the pay-per-views. Mm-hmm. Now that each brand has spots uh, on pay-per-views each month, um, you don't have to worry about that so much, but every not, uh, every now and again, there's a feud that needs to breathe. Yeah. That they need to stretch out. So, why not employ a few more uh, tag matches a la New Japan? Um, it, 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 it saves wear and tear on the wrestlers. 
that you can't argue with. It saves wear and tear on the wrestlers. When Okada wrestles like 20 matches, yeah. total matches of the course of the year. That's true, that's true. Whereas what uh, Jinder Mahal wrestled 180-something. Jinder. That's a lot. That's a lot of wear and tear on athletes. Mother. Um, more so, I think, if they're going to do this New Japan tag route, do it more often on house shows. I know people paid because they want to see Nakamura in action one-on-one people. But still, you, you can't have wrestlers wrestling close to 200 matches, solo matches a year. It's too much on the human body. That's why people are getting injured so much. Mm-hmm. Have them in tag matches more often, um, on house shows, on Raws, on SmackDowns. Kind of employ it generally, not necessarily on the dual brand pay-per-views. Um, so the wrestlers get a break from time to time. Their schedule is grueling enough as it is. Just like Seth Rollins. This past week, he wrestled for 65 minutes on Raw. And he got... Probably Tuesday, Wednesday off, and Thursday he's right back at it. Mm-hmm. Put him in an eight-man tag match, please. Give him a break. Mm-hmm. That guy goes out and busts his tail every week on television. Give him a breather from time to time, please. Let him actually have a career longer than five years in WWE. He's already blown out his knee once, injured his knee a second time. If he keeps wrestling this type of schedule, it's going to be it's going to take a horrible toll on his body. Give him a break. More multi-man tag matches. Um, across the board, and even sprinkle a few in on these pay-per-views. Yes, I'm all for it. Okay, no, it's a terrible idea, and I'll tell you why. Whenever New Japan has a Hold pay-per-view... Hold on, I got one point to make. Sorry, sorry, sorry. Here's another thing. Uh, what, when, when, when WWE Creative is firing on all cylinders, what are they doing more often than not? Weaving narratives together. Yeah. You can use these tag matches, mm-hmm. six, eight, ten, twelve-man tag matches. <laughs> That's good. To interweave stories. Yes, do it. Okay, no, you don't do it. You don't do it. You know why? Because New Japan is kind of annoying. In the, res- in the fact that, yes, okay, does it let, them, does it let the wrestlers rest? Yes. I, the only good point you made there was um, doing tag matches, like large tag matches on the house show circuit. There is zero reason why anybody should be wrestling a singles match on the house show circuit. You should always be doing multi-man matches. You still get the live experience of being a WWE show. <clears throat> without the wear and tear on the body. That is actually a fantastic idea. However, these are pay-per-views we're talking about here. My main beef with New Japan is that they put on these multi-day pay-per-view events where there's literally three matches that actually matter a damn. Why aren't those three matches just on one show for one day? Here's I don't why. need five different new sh- I don't need five different new beginning shows. All, like, one day you get a U.S. title match. The next day you get, like, maybe a junior heavyweight tag match. The third day, you skip or you skip the third day. The fourth day you get, Actually, you know. You skip, like, two weeks. Yeah, the inter- <laughs> exactly. You get, like, the Intercontinental Championship defended. Here's and the thing, then the, I'm making my point. And then the rest of the four hours of each of those shows are all just these clusterfuck tag matches. You know why? Because they're doing story stuff in all those matches for the eventual singles matches of those well, competitors. I mean, kind of, but, man, do we need... Here's the thing. What they accomplished in a 20-man, five or six... In a 20-minute, six-man tag match, they could accomplish with one two-minute backstage segment the way the WWE does it. That's just not how New Japan does things, man. I understand that's not how they do things. I'm just illustrating that I would be more engaged if they took all those four shows that they're putting on and the three matches that actually matter in them, put them in one amazing show on New Japan. That's 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 not a route I want to see the WWE go in. Here's the thing, though. I like that they... I, Kind of like they do that for all the other shows, but not for Wrestle Kingdom. It makes Wrestle Kingdom feel more special. Well, Wrestle Kingdom would feel special regardless. I like I like a lot of stuff they do. I love the G1. I love tournaments. Tournaments are great. Yeah, they are. Tournaments are fantastic. But you always know you're getting these, 
you know, these tag matches that just don't mean a damn. So why am I even watching them? Because you never see anything cool. You never say, wow, did you hear Meltzer talk about that six-star tag match? Unless it's like an actual tag match, not like one of these, a bunch of singles competitors or factions or whatever all in the tag match. They're meaningless. They don't have any meaning to them. So why bother doing them? Just put all your good matches on one show. No, I do not want to see the WWE go that route with New Japan. I do agree with your idea that they should be doing more tag matches on the house show circuit. Uh, that, that's a good idea. But no, they, they shouldn't be doing it. I think the, everybody freaking out about the dual brand pay-per-views. They're freaking out for no reason because the dual brand pay-per-views are going to be longer than the, than the old pay-per-views that are single brand. That's fine. It's by an hour, so they bring it down. And also, on top of that, the WWE has been trending not towards multi-man tag matches, but to multi-man matches. They already have the Elimination Chamber. They've got Money in the Bank. They've got Survivor Series. So those three major pay-per-views that have multi-man singles matches in them. Uh. You've got, um, and then, like, what was it? At the Rumble, you had Brock versus Kane versus uh, Braun. At Fastlane, you've got five people yeah, in the title match. Though, to have every title match have 16 people in it. <laughs> well, when it gets Why to not that, put 16 people in a tag that point, match? That's, see, that's the because I hate tag matches. people, relax. Every man rest for their bodies. Uh, you can build stories in the match, get more people on TV. You don't build so I can't. I don't like when they build building stories through tag matches. That's the worst way to build a story. Next question, Thayer Sabata. He's got a 10-second question. That's why he's my favorite. You guys have unlimited resources to start a brand-new wrestling promotion, and you need to hire a head booker. Who do you choose, Triple H or Gato? Thank you, Fair. Thank you, Fair Sabata. You go first. It's Triple H. The best wrestling, the best storytelling, I'm sorry, the best wrestling is New Japan right now, but the best storytelling right now in wrestling, there's, there's no, there is absolutely, New Japan, for their storytelling, they rely, I really wonder about this. I think Gato just says, I want this match, I want this match, I want this match. And you guys just get there however you want to. So the Young Bucks start doing Being the Elite, Being the Elite, where they go ahead and actually tell stories through their cheesy little home movies. Yeah, but they have permission from New Japan to do that. Yeah, I know, but I wonder... Ring of Honor. I, I'm legitimately curious, like, how much input does Ring of Honor and New Japan have? Oh, I don't know how... Like, I, I agree. I think Gato probably says, we're going to have this match here, here, here. Right, here, exactly. This, I, I we'll, want, culminate, we'll culminate this feud here, but the right. individual, individual story beats, like what they say in the promos backstage after events and stuff, I don't know. Right. I, I, it's it's probably very loose because, I mean, what are you, you know, going to give him a script? No, of no. course not. So they, he probably says, hey, you know, yeah, like you said, we're going to get to this point by this time, so just do whatever to get to that point, which is fantastic, but not everybody are the Young Bucks. Not everybody can be being the elite. Storytelling, Triple H... And, and, and NXT, that's the way of the future. That's the way the WWE hopefully will end up going. NXT right now is the best storytelling wrestling on TV. Proof is in the pudding. Triple H is the man in NXT. That's what you do. You look at Aleister Black versus the Velvet Team Dream. It was great. You even take a look at the storytelling during the match. Literally one backstage segment led to Velvet Team Dream versus Cassiano. And look at the story being told in that match. It was fantastic. It doesn't get better in NXT. Triple H is the man. Yeah, it does get better in XT. It's in New Japan. Gato is the man. He's not the wrestlers, though, is he? No, but that's the thing. He gives the wrestlers freedom to do what they do best, which is wrestle and tell stories in the ring. That's not booking. That's just saying go out and do whatever you want to do. But he's the one putting the card together, putting the matches together, putting the uh, building the stories long term, something that's been lacking in WWE product for a very long time. We had uh, this great series of matches between Kenny Omega and Kazuchika Okada that... Uh, individually, each match told a story, but collectively, they told a story. 
he had a part in that. I don't know if he was there booking spots beat by beat on a legal pad a la Macho Man and, and Steamboat years back, but he had a part in that. He lets the wrestlers do what they do best, wrestle, tell stories, entertain the fans. I'm sure he's involved in the creative process of saying, well, here's why you're doing this. This is why this match is happening. But he's not going to give him a script. Remember Kenny Omega in an interview with Sports Illustrated was criticizing WWE because he said some wrestlers have their footwork choreographed and it kills the spontaneity and the emotion of the match. They don't do that in New Japan. They don't. They let the wrestlers wrestle. They don't do that in NXT either. They let the wrestlers you don't wrestle. That. I you don't do. Know that. You cannot you don't tell that. me. You cannot you tell me. You, yeah, I do know that. You, you don't know that. You can't tell me. You don't know that. You can't tell me that Johnny Gargano. Are you? What are you? Are you, have you been watching wrestling for six weeks now? No. Do you not see the difference that we've talked about a million times over between the wrestling and WWE main roster and NXT? Do you really think that in on main roster? Sasha, but how many people have talked about what happens on main roster versus NXT? Yeah, no, they different. let them go in NXT. Yes, Sorry, Johnny they're, Gargano they're, versus Deanna Almas. You think that's going to happen on main roster? No, of course not. It might happen on two hundred five left. Um, now it, it might. On, now it might because who's in charge? Yeah, Triple H. Triple H. Yeah, Triple H is huge improvement over Vince McMahon. Um, they might let them, let them do that in Mania, something like that. I'm not saying in NXT they choreograph footwork, but they go out and block the match in advance. They don't call a ton of spots in the ring. That's what Omega was alluding to. No, they to. don't. They don't do that in New Japan either. That's exactly what Kenny Omega was saying. Did you not see that? Uh, that no, Sports I, Illustrated was a Sports Illustrated. No, video I saw that. Thing I saw that. Listen, Kenny with Omega, the Young Bucks, yes, literally booking the match. I understand the match. Let with me Naito finish. And Let me finish. So I was listening to Kenny Omega on Chris Jericho's podcast talking about their match at Wrestle Kingdom. Kenny Omega will take take any shot he can against the WWE. This is not a, a, he didn't reference. I believe WWE once during this entire segment. So he said, yes, they went to the dojo in uh, in Tokyo, blocked out the major the major beats of the match. They did. However, during the actual show of Wrestle Kingdom, they had a spot where Kenny was going to climb up the scaffolding, do a moonsault off it. Um, will Ospreay did the exact same spot earlier in the show. Young Bucks told Kennedy. Kennedy. Kenny. So, so without communicating with each other, during the match, they improv the spot that they ended up doing, where Kenny did a double stomp off, uh, off the scaffolding onto the table onto Jericho. I don't know in WWE they have that liberty to do that kind of stuff to that extent. At least, you know, the, the rank-and-file wrestlers, top-of-the-card guys, guys Vince Trust, maybe. I'm not talking about the main run. I'm not talking about WWE. I'm talking about NXT. I guarantee you they do in NXT because we've seen so much good wrestling See, I, would, I would think the top, the main guys, the guys at Triple H Trust, yeah, developmental guys, no. No. Well, define developmental. Uh, Leo Rush, I bet, could. Maybe. I bet he could. Ricochet can. Maybe. But like, I'm in, like uh, Cassius Ono, yeah. He, do you think he, the Young Lions have liberty to do that stuff? No, they're only allowed to do like six moves in New Japan. Yeah, right, exactly. Yeah. So yeah, it depends on how much experience you have. Is gonna get, that's that's probably you know regardless of where you are. My whole point, my whole point is WWE's style of wrestling, the way they book their matches, is probably far more. I'm structured. not talking about WWE. Yeah. I'm talking about NXT, NXT is a part of WWE. And I doubt it's that much more structured than New Japan. It probably is. I can't. I here's how can you say that when the wrestling is so different? Here's another reason, probably why, because the uh, the production aspect of NXT is far more structured than what we see in New Japan. How many times in New Japan do we Very see much. spots kind of get missed because of direction? Fairly often. Whereas in NXT, that hardly ever happens because they will go and book out the match and rehearse it with camera and production. Oh, and all that. Sometimes they it's like they go out of their way to miss. No, stuff. I know. Sometimes they miss stuff in NXT too. 
I, I really, I would, I really doubt. You can't tell me you look at Shinsuke Nakamura and Sami Zayn and say that, oh, that looks like it's like much more blocked out than like something that Shinsuke would have done in New Japan. I don't know. I, I just don't think it is. Like I looked at it, and in my opinion, in my, if there's a spectrum of, of choreographed wrestling, WWE main rosters over here. If we're just using WWE NXT and New Japan, WWE main roster. I'm, I'm, I'm not there booking matches. It's just my instinct, and I have to make an argument for New Japan. It's, this is this is, I'm doing this for the sake of argument. It's how we feel. No, go ahead. So WWE is over here on highly choreographed. There's a huge gap. NXT's pie about right here. Okay. And then New Japan's pie right okay, there. Okay, I'm good with that. That's my whole point. This right here. No, yes. it isn't. That wasn't your whole point. Your point was saying that my point was over here. And you're, no, and no, no. Exactly my point was right saying here. that NXT was more, probably a bit more choreographed than New Japan. That's you whole said a bunch more. Ah. You said a lot more. I might say much more. I like, I like more. when we yell at each other, though. It makes yeah, for a good show. You're wrong. I'm right. Next question. Christian! Christian! I've lost you all. What is it? Come on. Don't drink now. At last, you're on, you're on. Let's see what Christian has to say. Hey, friendos. It's the Hall of Famer Christian here with a Matt Chat question this week. With my return to Matt Chat this week, here at the gym, actually getting the workout in. My question to you guys, Steve, like this one, is what is the most real moment in WWE history? We have Brian Pilma's got a gun versus Edge Lita live sex show. What was more real and why? Too sweet, guys. Thank you, guys. Thank you, Christian. Oh, man, obviously. The oh, wait. Who goes first? I'll just go first because I was going to anyway. No, I have to go first. You have to. Here. Right, so we can do it no, we right. alternate who goes first by question. Um, the most real moment, oh, it's the live sex show because uh, there is an exposed breast. That's yeah. real. You can't fake that. Not to, Hey, not just an exposed breast. Nipple. A nipple, yes. Um, uh, Edge might have had a real um, uh, quasi-erection. Well, yeah, it was we – can, we'll, we'll – we can we, we don't need to each make an argument on this one because this is all great stuff to talk about. Yeah, <laughs> um, Edge had fifty percent. Yeah, that's like a boner, somewhat of a erection. Yeah, yes. pretty much a boner. Um, but then we don't know how much more of a boner it was when he went under the. Yeah, sheet. yeah, we don't know exactly what happened under the sheet. There, there should have, there could have been some actual uh, sex stuff going. So I, so if I recall correctly, and if that's the case, that makes it the most real segment in all WWE. I don't history. have to bring up his note, my notes. But at one point, I think he puts his head down in her junk, uh-huh. and then I think at one point she puts her her head down in his junk. Uh-huh. They could, they both actually kind of. Here's my thing about that: they both seem. Here's my counter to you saying that could have been real. They both seem like kind of sweet people that are kind of like on the nerdier side of things. Uh-huh. So I'm not sure. He would have put his mouth actually on her genitalia. Oh no, I doubt that. But he was there. he was in the vicinity because he took her underwear off with right. his teeth, right? I, I I really hope that she like uh, uh, Dutch ovened him. Oh yeah, that'd be good. And farted. That would make the segment the most real then. <laughs> well, yeah, but it's supposed to be a live sex show, not a live Dutch oven. No, I know. Not like a live shaming with farts. But you, mean, you wouldn't. You like the audience couldn't hear the. Fart. It was look. It was a real a very real moment. However, in terms of simulated near death snuff films. You have to admit that the Brian Pillman gun scene here's the one was thing, both real and shocking. Here's the one thing that kind of disqualifies it in my mind. Nobody died. <laughs> well, is that you had, you had 
Well, there's two things. One, you had Kevin <laughs> Kelly lurking outside on the, the property the whole time giving updates. And two, right. like, if you know Stone Cold's coming, why, like, there's a cameraman who's got his camera, like, pointed at the door, the back yeah. door that Stone Cold breaks. Yeah. How come someone doesn't do anything before it gets to the point where it escalates to where a gun's involved? Yeah. Well, because then it wouldn't have been as real. But he busted out that gun. Let me add some. Do you think – here's the, here's the biggest question, actually, because this will determine the answer to this entire question. Uh-huh. Was the gun real? Was it Pillman's gun? Because if, if it wasn't a prop gun mm-hmm. that didn't belong to him, then it's fake. If he said, no, I have a gun to make this a bit more real. I wonder what the staging of that was like. Hey, we're going to send some people out to – was it Brian Pillman's actual house? I, yeah, don't, I don't know. know. I don't know either. We're going to send some people out to your house. We're going to get this. How can we escalate this? Brian Pillman says, I have a gun that I can bust out and do this and then do this. Yeah. Shockingly. Yeah. If that's the case, that's the most real shit that's ever been on WWE. If it was the prop gun and not him, live sex show works. Because of the nipple. I don't know. I feel like a, I because feel like, of the nipple I feel like a, 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 a real couple uh, expressing their love. Yeah. Um, doing love. Yeah. yeah, via the act of lovemaking. Yeah, via, via doing sex. Um, that's about as real as it gets. That is pretty real. It's really real. Because I think they really liked each other. Well, yeah, they were an item. That's real. They really okay. liked each other. Right. They were really a couple at that point. Maybe, so that's about as real as it gets. Maybe live sex show works. I'm okay with that. Because the bottom line is, we saw a real nipple. Yeah. So And there was, I mean, there was a real 50% boner. Yeah, there's, there was some real chub there. That chub was ready <laughs> to have sex. <laughs> or, or was on the precipice, yeah. <laughs> it was almost ready to have it just took, sex. It would have taken a little bit more for it to be ready. Yeah, just a little bit more rubbing. Uh, next up from Daryl the Cat Takahashi. Let's see what he has to say. What's good, Steve Morrison? Many friendos out there. It's Cat Daryl Takahashi. My question for matchup this week is: I was talking to a buddy of mine. We we're talking about what was the biggest burial in WWE history. And the truth that we brought up, which brings this question, is: What do you think was a bigger burial? John Cena burying the Nexus back in 2010, or Triple H burying Booker T back in WrestleMania X8? Thanks, boys. Thank you, the cat. Um, I go first. Yeah. <laughs> you really can't argue with this. No, you can't. Um, it's, it's Booker T, Triple H. Because Triple H was playing a racist bastard when he said, I believe the words were something like, a guy that looks like you could never be like a guy that looks like me. He should have lost! Triple H was a racist bastard. He should have lost. Yeah, he should have. Like, that's obviously the character he was playing. Why did Booker T lose? The racist asshole always gets his comeuppance. Yeah. So, yes, that was the worst burial. What Cena did was, look, Wade Barrett, that was his best chance to be a big timer, but he had plenty of other chances, and that's just par for the course for Cena. Triple H buried the crap out of Booker T as a racist villain character and never let Booker T get his, his, his you know, his shining moment. So, yes. It's Triple H. That is the correct answer. There you go. It is the correct answer. It is, man. There's not I mean, really. I mean, there's not you, much argument I can make. You can't argue against a racist villain not getting his comeuppance. That's the worst burial, maybe in the history. It's because real bad. The problem with it, beyond that stuff, it didn't follow your your typical. That's that's when the reign of terror of Triple H was at its worst because it didn't follow your typical. What you're supposed to do in wrestling, your bad guy has to get his comeuppance yeah. from the good guy. Yeah, that I just know. has to happen. I, I don't know why it wouldn't have happened. He just maybe he thought that that was in the grand scheme of whatever his plan was. 
that was a stepping stone for him to, to get even more heel heat. It just it was done. It just didn't make any sense. No, it didn't make any sense. And and you know if that was the justification, there's got to be times when the the hero. Yeah, I know. Has to win. I know. You, even as a villain, you have to get knocked down to yeah. come back stronger. Yeah. So it was totally that. That that's terrible. Yeah, that's that's by far the worst. It's so cringy, and it, it's it's the kind of, when you when it's the kind of thing you can never do today, then it's it's bad. You know what I mean? Anyways. Uh, I mean, you know, in terms of societal implications, not like, you know, well, you can't bleed today. That's cool. I wish they'd bring bleeding back. A.O. Worm has a question. Best promo battle about best promo battles. A.O. Worm has a question. Let's see what that's <laughs> What's good, everybody? A.O. Worm here back on the Night Chat debate. Steven Larson, so what is the best promo battle you guys have seen in wrestling history? For me, it's Jay Lethal versus Ric Flair back in TNA when Jay Lethal was imitating Ric Flair. And my eyes say, it was amazing. If you don't know what I'm talking about, I'll send you guys a link to the video showing you exactly what I'm talking about or just to refresh you guys. But that's my answer. But I want to know, do you guys have any other battles that you might have seen? Battle of words, that was just amazing. So let me know, guys. Too sweet, I'm out. Thank you, A.O. Worm. You go ahead. Oh, I go ahead? All right. Um, I thought of a lot of different things. Some of the more recent ones, uh, Cena versus The Miz, Leeds Mania last year, a lot of good stuff. Um, but then I, I came back around to uh, The Rock and Cena, built up to the, both either of their WrestleMania matches, had some good stuff. But I w- um, thought of one promo, excuse me, this is the post-lunch match chat where I burp a lot, sorry. The, the one promo in the lead-up to their match, WrestleMania 28, the first one, where uh, The Rock did a promo, Cena comes out, interrupts him, does some basic, you know, the, the back and forth between the, them the whole time is pretty consistent. Uh, Rock, Mr. Hollywood, full of himself, huge ego, didn't care about WWE, John Cena, uh, WWE lifer. That was pretty much, mm-hmm. at least from Cena's perspective, the framing of things. Um, and this was the promo where Cena about halfway through takes his wristbands off and says, I don't need notes on my wrist to get me through my promos. And... I've never seen The Rock have cry face before. Rock totally had cry face. And at the end of this, he had cry face. He did. Like stack his cry face up against Miz and Roman Reigns. Yeah. They're on the same level. They're all on the same level. John Cena, say what you will about him, no one gives other wrestlers cry face like John Cena. That's Nobody. True. That's true. With the possible exception of the person you're going to mention. That's right. I'm going to talk about CM Punk because I think he almost gave Triple H cry face. <laughs> he almost gave Triple H cry face. What was the line he used on Triple H? Oh, there were several. Was it the oh, it's a, D- it a straight to DVD. Straight to DVD. Because he one. says something to Triple H or, uh, about his, his movie, The Chaperone, and Triple H says, "Yeah, where's your movie, Punk?" He said, "Oh, it went straight to DVD, just like yours." Oof. <laughs> uh, you're absolutely right about that. That that segment with Cena Rock was great because as soon as he says the nice tattoo, referring to the notes on his wrist, yeah, and Rock tried to get aggressive with him and tried to rattle no, him. He didn't say a word afterwards. No, 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 no. Oh. Sorry. He tried to rattle him by getting in his face. Yeah. Because then he got closer to him after he said that, and Cena didn't didn't, skip a didn't flinch. Nope. Did not flinch. Now, uh, go fast forward another year. Was no, this, this is before this. this. is before, okay. Um, we have, that's right, because Punk referenced that match coming up. This is probably summer. This is it the SummerSlam? Their SummerSlam match. It's how the unification was. So that's SummerSlam yeah, yeah. 2011. Yeah, okay. So uh, I had to go back and, and look at this. At first, I wanted to say Rock Austin... 
because I thought there was like a sit-down thing with them and JR. They played a ton of good stuff. Before WrestleMania 15, I saw one from 17, which is the only one I could see, and it really wasn't all that great because Rock wasn't like at his best heel uh, persona. Mm -hmm. Um, And so I was like, man, I know there was some good Punk Cena stuff. They were literally the two best talkers that we had at the time. And sure enough, it was the contract signing for that match, the the, uh, the unification match at SummerSlam. Um, and uh, it was Punk and Cena. And yes, Cena, Punk brought out a clip of uh, The Rock talking crap about Cena. And Cena laid out his case perfectly. They were so, I, I go back to this all the time. This is one of my favorite feuds ever. They were so, they were so perfectly matched in terms of their character. And back in the Tree of Woe days, we would always be harping on Chongo for being such a mark for CM Punk or for for uh, Cena because we were such marks for CM Punk because CM Punk kept it so real and he never got rattled and it was so awesome yeah because he had John Cena who I think actually really liked Punk I think they really liked each other mm-hmm. um, but I think Cena also knew that Punk was one of the few guys who could match wits with him on the yeah. mic yeah and they had Triple H standing there Triple H looked like he hated. CM Punk. You could see it all over his face. John Laurinaitis didn't seem terribly fun, especially when Punk was talking about the people that must have just been oh, released. Oh, that had just been released. Like, I think he said Friday. So that must have been three days earlier mm-hmm. when he said, oh, you want to talk about... Um, being spineless, being, being cowardly. Being spineless, being gutless. He says, you call me gutless? He said, you have him. He says, tell me, Johnny, did you... Get on a plane, go to Florida, and tell Harry, not uh, uh, not David, not David Smith Jr. Yeah, did you tell him face to face? And he puts over these guys who just got fired. He says, "Did you go get on a plane and tell Chris Masters, who worked so hard to return, that you know you wish him best in your future, or did you do it over the phone?" Yeah, it was so freaking great. And the thing is, the segment they have on WWE.com or their YouTube page is like 17 minutes long, which is a long time. Yeah. And they, they they jump cut. They flash cut. Mm-hmm. And so you know this entire segment was like 30 minutes long. Yeah. It was probably a good chunk of time. But I would just say that you can't take your eyes off it. It's two talkers who were so marvelous that you cannot stop. And then as soon as Triple H tries to get a word in, CM Punk claps back so quick mm-hmm. and just shuts him up. Mm-hmm. And I think some of that stuff was probably legitimate. Yeah, yeah. Like when Punk, or when Triple H tries to say, hey, how does your movie role go? And CM Punk claps back like that, and it's fantastic. Yeah, it is. There's oh, a couple oh, of things. Like, about to legit start laughing at something. I said. know. It's pretty good. And you can t- it's just the two best guys on the mic, and, and yours were the same. Cena and Rock were so great. Mm-hmm. Um, so anyways, the, the, I got I got to give it to those. I'm sure there are plenty of other ones. I just, you know, it's it's hard to think of them like off the top of my oh, head, I know. like what they are. But I mean, I know I know there's been Rock Austin stuff that like talk about the two, but like my personal two best talkers. Oh, of all time. it wasn't really a, a promo battle, but when Flair came back, fire me, kid, fire me, kid, fire me, kid. Yeah, there was no battle. There. <laughs> it was just Flair. Anyways, uh, let's see here. Misty, Mr. Eddie Camaro is up next. Let's see what he has to say. And Igor Napoli, eater of tacos here. I got one question for you. I read somewhere that they're going to have Leo Rush bypass NXT and go to that Cruiserweight tournament. Now, my question is, do you think that is a good idea to bypass NXT and go straight to the tournament or not? Steve, you take yes. Larson, you take no. Steve, too sweet. Larson, handshake. Thank you, Eddie. Thank you, Eddie. Oh, uh, I go first this time. Do I? No, you, you said... Oh, yeah, uh, yeah, 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 you go first. 
Yeah, yes. We don't need Leo Rush in NXT. NXT is they're going big with Lars Sullivan. Well, we already saw Lars Sullivan versus Leo Rush, anyways. Um, we already have like a fast guy in Ricochet. Man, that would actually preclude us seeing. Okay, how about this? One match, we get Ricochet versus Leo Rush. It's Leo Rush's last match in NXT. Loser leaves NXT. Loser leaves NXT. He goes on a 205 Live, and he absolutely kills it there. I just want to see him in 205 Live right now. Um, Triple H has taken over. They're doing just amazing things with the wrestling aspect of the show. My God, this match between Mustafa Ali and Jack Gallagher this past week on 205 Live was absolutely electric. It's so great. Um, and I'm really just anxious to see Leo Rush in there, especially Mark Andrews is there now. Oh, my God. Could you imagine the series of matches we can get between Leo Rush and Mark Andrews? I cannot wait for that. There's so many, there's so much great talent in 205 Live right now that would match up so great with, uh, with Leo Rush. Um, that, yeah, screw NXT. We don't, I mean, the, the, my thing about NXT, maybe the biggest case to be made besides Ricochet, there isn't really anybody else who can match Leo Rush with what he does best. And in 205 Live, that's where all the people are. Mm-hmm. So that's my argument. Um, here's my argument. No, let Leo Rush stay in NXT for a little bit. Um, he's young. He still needs some time to develop. He's great in the ring. Can't argue with that. But in terms of the production aspect of wrestling, his first match, I think, the ref told him to look yeah. at the hard camp. Hard cam. Hard cam. He needs to learn the WWE style of producing a show, which is vastly different than, than work in the indies. There's that. Second, um, right now, 205 Live is really hitting its stride, and I really don't want them to do anything right now to interrupt that. Mm-hmm. Um, even if that means keeping Leo Rush in NXT for a while, where you can have great matches, not only against Rick Shea, um, but shoot, give me Leo Rush versus Aleister Black versus... A ton of other talents. Adam Cole. Be great matches. Um, let him learn the WWE way of doing th- things a bit more while 205 is hitting a stride. We just saw Hideo Itami get brought up to 205 Live about a month or so back. Mm-hmm. He's already lost in the shuffle. Um, I know they, there was a, lot, uh, uh, a huge deal made about Buddy Murphy getting called up, which was great. He won his first match. Um, if you look at the brackets, I don't know if he's going to win his second match. Who's he fighting in the second round? I believe Mustafa Ali. Yeah, he's not going to, but the massive difference between those guys and Leo Rush. Leo Rush is a once-in-a-generation. I understand that. I mean, but he is still, he is, he's young. He's 21, 22 years old. He yes, has sir. time. Let him develop. Let him uh, learn the way of doing things in NXT. I'm not saying he needs, there, he needs to be there for two years. Give him six months to a year. Learn learn how they do how they operate WWE, then bring up the 205 Live. Wait till this tournament's over. Wait till whether it be Cedric or Roger Strong, Mustafa Lee, Drew Gulak, where it is, gets their title, gets a decent run, bring him up, have him be uh, the new upstart challenger. Let me ask you something. What? I hate to bring this up because I really like him, or I liked him in moments in NXT, but you bring up Hideo Itami. What's, the, what's his place in, in WWE? I don't know. Because I don't think it's 205 Live. He's a striker. Yeah. And there's two... There are two styles that are really prevalent and should be in 205 Live, and that's high-flying and it's uh, technical. technical. Yeah. And you've got guys like Drew Gulak who are just marvelous technical, technical wrestlers. wrestlers. You have high-flyers like Mustafa Ali and stuff, yeah. Exactly. And a strike, like especially a striker, just doesn't. A striker can do it so if... So far, it hasn't worked. A striker can do it if the pace is quick, if they can keep up with the pace of the high flyer. Like, but Jack Gallagher's a striker who can keep up with the pace. Because he's also a good technical wrestler. Yeah, he's also a good technical wrestler. He's but, small and he's quick. And I think I think the, the issue that has faced uh, Hideo Tommy thus far is, and I don't know if this is how he likes to work or just the way things have gone, he works... His matches have 
been at a more meticulous pace. Yeah. By and large. Um, and yeah, he's a good striker. He can do a little bit of flying. He can. He's not a bad technical wrestler. But I think if the pace picked up, then it would alleviate a lot of those issues. Because if you're in there striking and you're just striking, you know, lightning quick, you know, dodging other people's moves, reversing them, you know, leading to, to striking opportunities, I think that'd be really cool and really exciting. He's never come off as all that fast to me, though. Mm-hmm. Even at his best in NXT, like I thought, I thought him and Cassius Ono had some really good stuff because you have Cassius Ono, this giant striking guy who can yeah. do cool flippy stuff too. Yeah, yeah. And then you have Adeo Atami, who's more of a, a gritty striker guy. Yeah. That really worked for me, but. I don't know. I think he, he just comes off as, I don't know, out of place in 205 Live. Uh, Hitachi's match against Bobby Roode was good for the XT title. That was a good match. Yeah, no, that was a really good match. That was a really good but match. But again, it was meticulously paced. Yeah. This was a slower pace. But no, I agree. He if, if it's It seemed like he'd match up better in terms of style and pace against heavyweights, but you know they seem intent on in putting him on 205 Live. Yeah. I don't know. How tall is he? Well, he's probably 5'9", five, 5'10", five, I'd guess. Uh, yeah, you're probably right. Yeah, five nine. Yeah, yeah. I don't know. What one eighty five? One eighty two. Yeah. Jeez. Anyways, moving on. We have another question. Oh, how uh, how large Daniel Bryan was? I understand now. Times are way different. That if Daniel Bryan came in WWE now, he'd go to two hundred five live too. Oh, I don't know. I don't know. They'd give him a pass. He's so he's he's. I'm saying Daniel Bryan circa two thousand nine. He would go to two hundred five live. Yeah, you're probably right about that. Maybe. I don't know. I mean, he's a Daniel Bryan circa 2009. Is that that's when he came in? Yeah, that's when yeah, he came right in. 2010, yeah. yeah, he was a ricochet level talent on the indies. Ricochet's not going to go to 205 Live. No, I'm, I think they would with Daniel Bryan though. I don't know. Ricochet's a bit larger. Yeah, I know. But Daniel Bryan number one was able to bulk up. Well, a here's bit. the thing: Daniel Bryan would either go to NXT or he'd go to 205 Live, and, and he'd probably go to NXT before going to 205 Live. Oh, he'd definitely go to NXT. Yeah, that's for sure. It's just certain guys like Finn Balor. I mean, granted, he came around before 205 Live, but, like, that dude was... When you have that level of charisma that Daniel Bryan had, mm. I don't think they'd have put him on 205 Live. Yeah, I don't know. Are there any overwhelmingly... Are there Are there any guys... Like, I can think of one. Cedric Alexander right now is the one guy who I think, yeah, he could have gone, but he's not, like, an overwhelming charisma guy. But in terms of, like, what he can do in the ring and how big he kind of looks, yeah, yeah, yeah. he could be main roster. Yeah, yeah. I can't say that for a lot of other guys. No, I know. I know what you mean. So... Uh, let's see here. Next, we've got Douglas Dozier, Jr. Jr. Hello, going in raw match chat, friendo universe. My name is Douglas T. Dozier, Jr., a.k.a. The Money Monster. First time patron, long time fan. I got a question for you. Steve Larson, with all the multitudes and multitudes and multitudes of talent in the WWE brand, why haven't they, uh, expanded into maybe another brand, maybe a green brand. So I'd like for you to give me a title card. What would you call this green brand? Who would the GM be? Who would the men's top champion be? What would that belt be called? Same for the women's. Same for a third ubiquitous title. Same for the tag team titles. It's all very formulaic. Just one more day. Maybe Thursday nights replace SmackDown? I don't know. You guys are the guys. Tell me. Peace. Thank you, Douglas. So much energy from Douglas. Yeah, man. Wow. I'm hyped now. I know. Talk about this green brand. What are we going to call the green brand, Larson? Let's collaborate well, on we this. Have, we have Raw, we have SmackDown, we have NXT. Okay. We have 205 Live. Yeah. 
So we have red, we have blue, we have purple, okay. and yellow. Yeah. So we need a green brand. We need a green brand. Um, okay, what's like, okay, so similar to like SmackDown, what's something we could call this green brand? What's like a popular, how about this? Ooh, how about this? No, I got it. Okay. WWE buys Impact. Impact has green in their uh, color palette, right? No, man. Not anymore. They did at one point. Oh, that was Global Force Wrestling. Fine. They buy Impact, rebrand it with green. <laughs> no, I don't want that. What would be like the difference then? Would it be Impact Wrestlers? Yeah, but they, they instead of having it up in Canada still, they bring it out to the West Coast. So it's like the West Coast version of NXT. No, this is what you do. I got it. I got it. I got it. I got it. What? The latest takeovers. No, the only takeover they do is, with, is, is Brooklyn, where they do the black and white thing. It's not a green brand. It's a black and white brand. Well, no, this is question. I don't care what Douglas says. I'm changing it from green brand. Green's a terrible color. You're, Look you're, at this. It's ugly. You're hung up on the black and white color palette. I think it'd be great. Black and white is the color palette for the... All right, but this aesthetics aside, what is this going to be? What is this brand going to be? How is it going to differentiate itself from everything else? I that had it need? in my head, and then you started yelling at me. All tag teams. No, that's terrible. Uh, a year-long tournament. Let's think of it like this. Let's think of it like this. So 205 Live is kind of becoming the PWG yeah. of WWE. NXT is the Ring of Honor. Uh-huh. Um, Raw and SmackDown is Raw and SmackDown. What's another promotion that we can take and say this is the WWE version of XYZ? CMLL. That's too much crossroad 205 Live. Lucha Vavum. Yeah, something like that. Where they do some burlesque-esque. No, I don't like How that. How about idea. this? Uh, the, you know that one, one uh, survey, uh, TV 14 version that's of what I was ECW. Gonna say. I was going to say ECW. That's yeah. what I was going to say. ECW. Thank you. Yes, that's where I was going. That's why I was going to be black and white because I was like, wait, ECW is like purple and then some red. red. Yeah. yeah. No, black and white, ECW. Oh, my God, that would be great. Hints of green. Yes. I don't know. I don't want hints of green. Just hints. Why? What would motivate that? Because it's green brand. Machinima just rebranding green. Yeah. I kind of want to stay away from that. Well, it's too much like that. Yeah, I don't like... This is not ECW. No, it's this not. This is not Extreme Championship Wrestling. Wrestling. Black and white, ECW. How about this? Every match or every card has blood on it, so it's all shot in black and white. It looks like that black and white version of Logan. Okay. Ooh. That's a good idea. Next. Bobby Mincy, the man with the future shirt. Let's see what he has to say. Hey, friendos. Bobby Mincy here stealing time at work to deliver my new Matt Chat question, which is actually a rhetoric of Jason King's Matt Chat question, I think, from last week. Um, the Undisputed Era is in NXT. The Balor Club is on Raw. And AJ's all by himself on SmackDown. But what if, like Jason King stated, what if the Young Bucks went to SmackDown with him and they formed the Elite? to where you had a three-man faction on each team, and they started invading their respective brands and start accumulating a three-way feud. At WrestleMania, that three-feud starts to actually come to conclusion. So you have the Undisputed Era, you have the Elite, and you have Balor Club all going together in a maybe tornado three-way tag match where it's just absolute chaos. Who wins in the end? Let me know, guys. Thank you, Bobby Mincy. There's no future shirt. You no just have like a shirt. regular shirt on. No future shirt. What a bummer. Anyways. Um, I go first. Yeah, it doesn't matter on this one. Real. Balor Club gets the W. Here's why. why. 
Finn Balor, original leader of, of Bullet Club, True. founder of Bullet Club. True. So, uh, I mean, this idea is what I was pitching last week. Uh, shoot, who asked the question? About uh, Jason King. Jason King, that's right. Uh, bringing Bullet Club into WB, having the, the, the various uh, factions spread, or having the factions spread across three brands. I was like, mm-hmm. no, I don't want a unified faction. I want to see them all feud. Yeah. So this is what I want. Undisputed Era versus Balor Club versus the Elite, or whatever they would call an AJ uh, Young Bucks team. Um, Balor Club has to go over. AJ is already hugely over. Young Bucks would be extremely over when they got there. I understand the idea of why you would say Undisputed Era, because... Them being an extreme. Why are you? You're saying my. You can't do that. No, it's called, it's called undercutting you. Um, they could. They could uh, definitely use the rub because they're an NXT. They're not as established as Balor or, or, or AJ. Nonetheless, I'll go OG. Give me Balor Club because they're real. <laughs> the OGs go over Balor. I'll never wins. forget when Adam Cole was inducted into Bullet Club. Was brought in the Bullet Club. He was the most Bullet Club guy there ever was. Yeah, man. Remember when, when Cody was brought in, and then he showed up at Wrestle Kingdom, and he like you could barely tell he, he had was the Bullet smallest Club. Bullet Club logos on his boots. You couldn't even tell. But when Adam Cole was, somehow he immediately had his Adam Cole. Well, he had like Bullet a leather blazer with a huge Bullet Club logo. It on It was back. all over his trunks and everything, yeah. and his boots and everything. Look, Adam Cole is definitely real, baby. You're right. Or no, what you were saying about me is right. Undisputed Era, they would need the rub. They're the young guys. They're the guys coming up. Look at Bobby Fish. Bobby Fish isn't that young, though. Oh, Bobby Fish. He's a man from the 19 aughts. He's, like, almost our age. He's 93 years old. Doesn't look a day over 56. Yeah, he's pretty old. But they're new. They're new. Gals and Anderson, they've been around forever, and nobody really believes that they're anything really threatening anymore. Well, if they get rid of the whole nerd thing, then, yeah, they would be. Finn Balor likes to dress up like a demon. It was cheesy. Um, the, I mean, the Young Bucks. It'd probably be the Young Bucks, actually. Be a, the Young Bucks and AJ would have to go over, really, because of the Young Bucks. They probably have it in their contract. Are you kidding me? They'd be making so much money. Oh, yeah. WWE would just throw money at them. Well, I don't know. Sorry about that lawsuit. Or the cease and desist. Cease and desist. Yeah. But they'd have to close down their pro wrestling tea shop. That's no, huge money for them. Contractually, they would just keep it open. No, oh, okay. They would say Vince will come. I don't think, I don't think that WWE would let them do that because that's T-shirt money that WWE wouldn't make. Would want to make part time? Yeah, that's a good point. So they wouldn't let them do that. They'd say we'll do a fifty-fifty split. Fine, you drive a hard bargain, Nick or Matt, whichever one I'm talking to now. Can you do the pose for me? Exactly. I don't know what the question. Is. You're probably Ballot Club. I love Finn Balor. He's the best. Freaking Burgundy Balor. Oh, Anyways, yeah. next up. Oh, we've got two text questions. <laughs> call these text questions. We've got two text-based adventures here. The first one is from uh, Aaron Smith, and uh, he said this. I was wondering if you would debate who you guys... Th- I'm just giving him this voice. I don't really... You know, this is how it is. I was wondering if you would debate who you guys think are the most underrated tag team... Outside of WWE. Oh, outside of WWE? Oh, you better change your answer I real quick. i got to change my answer then. I'll continue. Uh, it doesn't have to be from a specific era, but just in general. Personally, I would say the Motor City, Motor City Machine Gun. <laughs> as both Chris Saban and Alex Shelley provide great in-ring work as well as comedic bits when necessary. He included a video of something they did in TNA. Uh, thank you both for the great content you produced. Thank you, Aaron Smith. I guess I have to go first. No, I'll now. go first. I have it. There is this tag team in TNA that nobody's heard of since. 
They were called Generation Me. Oh, God. And it was these two the young bucks, younger man. guys. The Young Bucks. It was two younger guys. What were their names? You know, you need to learn better comedic timing. You, you need to let me get through this a little bit before then you just... What say, were their names? I think one guy's name was Mick, and the other guy's name was... It was Jeremy. was, Jason, one, of, was one of them. And they were, uh, they were really fast and cool. Young Bucks. And they... And then they're the young bucks. They're the young bucks now. Yeah, yeah. but they're Generation Me. But they're the young bucks before that, um, right? But they're gener in TNA. They're outside of WWE. Generation Me. That tag team is vastly underrated. You know why they're underrated? Actually, if you think about it, mine is the best answer because they are the most underrated tag team ever. Because TNA never kept them. And look at them now. TNA didn't know how to use anybody. They no, not true. They had CM Punk under the employee. Potentially, he left. He did some good stuff there. Um, AJ Styles was there. Yeah, I know. There is there's, Samoa Joe was there. There's a handful of people that that rose. The fallen angel Christopher Daniels was there. Yes, I know all these. You know, he wears like a it's, uniform. Yeah, now. I don't get it. This doesn't look. It looks. It's, yeah, I don't get that. I don't know why he does it. Here's the answer. Why is why is nobody ever said? He's like, hey, look, uh, Kazarian, I'm the ring general. Looks like a Nazi uniform. No, man. Nobody's going to think that. <laughs> Just you. As though, I honestly don't know because I came to, to that a little bit late when I started noticing that. And I don't know if anybody ever noticed I don't know that either. his outfit looks like a Nazi outfit. <laughs> it, it does. Anyways, uh, what, what were you going to say? South Pacific Power Trip. <laughs> They're perfectly rated. I love them. They're I rate great. them great. How do you know if they're still a tag team? I think they had a match in progress, uh, TK Cooper and Travis Banks. Both really good wrestlers. I've actually only really seen them wrestle once, but it was phenomenal. Yeah, it was great. At the progress show, WrestleMania weekend uh, this last year, they took on Shane Strickland, Sammy Callahan. Fantastic match. Their chemistry is great. Mm -hmm. Character work is great. Across the board, great. I just don't see their names out there a whole lot as far as top tag teams working today. Yeah. In fact, how do you know if they're still a tag team? But I hope they get back together because they're phenomenal. Yeah. They're really good together. Yeah, no, they're awesome. I, that was a fantastic one. They fought um, Shane Strickland and Sammy Callahan. Yeah. God damn, that was a crazy match. Yeah, it was. They were jumping over the rail and everything. Mm -hmm. Very dangerous. I'm ring general. No, it's not good. <laughs> no, it's not good. We've got another question here. Another text one from Tapped House TV. His question is, um, when we view wrestlers in their prime, and he brings up names like AJ, Cedric Alexander, Kenny Omega, the American Dragon, Brian Danielson, and uh, Tyler Black, who is now Seth Rollins. Mm -hmm. And whether or not the time we spend watching them now, or the time we put in making, the, or the time they put in making their names, um, was better in Ring of Honor uh, and other places, was better. So I think what he's asking here is, in terms of the work, what do we appreciate more? Say Daniel Bryan is at the, the peak Yes Movement, or his work mid aughts <laughs> at Ring of Honor, or his work now as general manager of SmackDown. Oh, man, I don't know. I haven't seen enough. I'll be honest. I'll be completely honest. With so many of these names, I have not seen enough of their previous work. I've seen, I've seen AJ in a handful of New Japan matches, and they're honestly some of the best matches I've ever seen. Um, I rake them up there. It'll be, it'll be really interesting to see the match he puts on with Shinsuke yeah. and then be able to compare and compare. Yeah, that's that. the most obvious, that's easiest be, comparison to be able to make. Yeah. Um, I can, of all of these, I can probably speak the most to AJ because I, as you have I've, I haven't really seen a ton of AJ's uh, 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 TNA stuff but I've seen a, you know half a dozen or so New yeah. Japan matches um, and what I've noticed it, it's not a huge difference but there's a difference in his, his work granted in New Japan he was a heel mm -hmm. um, and, and is 
rare you see a heel that works a really exciting, fast-paced style because that gets the crowd excited. That's not necessarily what the heel's supposed to do. They're supposed to get heat. They're supposed to get booed. Mm-hmm. And we're doing all sorts of exciting stuff. You're going to get cheers yeah. because it's impressive. Um, but there was even a difference between how AJ worked upon his arrival at WWE when he was a heel um, after uh, he turned heel on uh, uh, John Cena and kind of aligned with the club. Um, uh, even that work was different than what we saw in New Japan as a heel. Um, when he came to WWE, you know, he was doing the stuff with Chris Jericho, fast pace. His program with Roman Reigns, the, the two pay-per-view matches they had were just bang, 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 bang. The pace was, was fantastic. And he kind of continued that pace regardless of if he was working heel or face. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I don't know if – I don't think it's necessarily an evolution of his style of wrestling. Mm-hmm. I think it's just wrestling based on the character more so than anything. Because, um, like, uh, his match against Nakamura – it's a pretty long match, and it's yeah. pretty, you know, it's a deliberate pace. Mm-hmm, yeah. It doesn't mean it's not exciting. Yeah. There's not drama to it, but it's not like a super fast-paced match. Watch Nakamura versus Kota Ibushi, the year prior Wrestle Kingdom. It's 10 minutes shorter, and that never lets up. Yeah. It's just bang, 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 bang. And it's not because, and it's not necessarily because they were running the whole time. It's because there's not a whole lot of break. There's no rest, I don't say wrestle, submission holds nothing or very little. It's just bang, 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 bang. Moves, 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 violence, 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 kick to the heads, kick to the heads, kick to the heads. Um, but that's the one thing I've noticed about AJ from his work in New Japan to his work in WWE. It's just the pace is quicker. Some of the stuff, some of the stuff I've seen from Daniel Bryan in his, in his indie days uh, with Tyler Black also, I've seen a handful of those. I've noticed this with, <clears throat> with wrestlers on the indie circuit whenever you see their older stuff compared to WWE stuff especially. But even you could say the New Japan stuff. In, on the indie circuits, you could always tell the really hungry wrestlers mm-hmm. who are going to make it mm-hmm. because, like, Tyler Black would wrestle, like, hungry. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, yeah. With an with a extra step of urgency mm-hmm. that a lot of others didn't have. I mean, he did a moonsault off a fan at one show. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. Uh, Daniel Bryan, same thing. Mm-hmm. When you see I, – I just – get these images in my head of him that I've seen from various, like, you know, uh, like PWG shows of just this, like, frenetic energy. And it's not just, oh, he's wrestling fast. It's there's an excitement, there's a hunger, there's an energy about him that's anxious to prove something mm-hmm. that's kind of intangible. Mm-hmm. And so, um, so I don't know. I mean, it's, you know, which one would you rather see? I don't know. I like I like to see if those guys can bring that energy to the WWE or working that number of days yeah, exactly. too. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Here's one thing I wish Seth Rollins would bring back: hmm. bring back the moshing. Oh, I know, me too. That was great. He had it in NXT for a short time. Yep, I know. Great. You see those videos, or I guess they're gifts on uh, Twitter, mm-hmm. some indie show where he's moshing, and then some fans get to start moshing with him and stuff. It's fantastic. Yeah. Oh, it's awesome. It's great. Yeah. Anyways, what a spirited episode of Matt Chat yeah. today. Hey, sorry I raised my voice. I don't don't apologize. I was trying to make for an entertaining show. Why are you apologizing? Don't be all weird and, and I'm not being weird. I'm sorry. Don't apologize to me. All right. It's Matt. It's a debate show. You're supposed to yell at each other. Kick rocks, then. There you go. What was the other one? Beat feet. Beat feet. Yeah. Beat feet. No. Patrick Sparks had it. Oh yeah. What Something was it? sand. Pound sand. Pounds. Pound sand. That's awesome. Pound sand. Sometimes when you get in these debates. Pound shows, ground. No, it's pound sand. Okay. Um. I don't know. I feel like I just got I gotta take things. To the extreme. Yeah, get real. Or just speculate endlessly and, and, and spew gibberish and try to make a point. No, it's great. You don't have to apologize over This is Matt Chat. I'll talk to you guys later. Bye. You can host the best backyard barbecue. 
when you find a professional on Angie to make your backyard the best around. Connect with skilled professionals to get all your home projects done well. Inside to outside. Repairs to renovations. Get started on the Angie app or visit Angie.com today. You can do this when you Angie that. Angie's List is now Angie, and we've heard a lot of theories about why. I thought it was an eco-move. Your words? Less paper. <laughs> it was so you could say it faster. No, it's to be more iconic. Must be a tech thing. But those aren't quite right. It's because now you can compare upfront prices, book a service instantly, and even get your project handled from start to finish. Sounds easy. It is, and it makes us so much more than just a list. Get started at Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I. Or download the app today.